Hi, everyone, and welcome to Mind Rolling. This is Raghu Marcus with our newest edition, which is with a very, very close friend of mine, Ramesh Wardas Litton. We call him Ramesh. Many of you know him as Ramdas's co-writer on the last couple of books Ramdas has published, Be Love Now and Polishing the Mirror. And uh, Ramesh does and collaborates with Ramdas on many other things that uh, really help to get uh, Ramdas's contemporary teachings and ideas out there these days, since he's been in Maui, which is over 10 years now. So I also want to remind everyone that we're just two weeks into Be Here Now Network, our new network, which is at BeHereNowNetwork.com. And uh, all of the favorite teachers that uh, have been with us previously on Mind Pod Network, Jack Cornfield, Joseph Goldstein, Sharon Salzburg, Lama Surya Das, of course, Ram Das, and Krishna Das. And Danny Goldberg with his Rock and Rolls podcast, and Chris Grasso, the indie spiritualist, and of course, yours truly, with Mind Rolling. So uh, we'd like you to get up there and certainly uh, put in your email address so we got everyone um, on our list so we can tell you all of so many uh, offerings that we're going to have in the next few months, not the least of which is this wonderful app, which I've been talking at about ad nauseum. And I'm sure everybody's like, okay, let's just uh, see it. But it is going to be a rich experience that I think is going to be really helpful for people to stay more awake day to day. And uh, it'll have this life and balance retreat course and uh, many, many other offerings uh, through the app and it'll be connected to uh, the website as well and uh, live uh, events that uh, we've just done a couple and we're putting them together to release as well and uh, also you can help us out by going uh, specifically with mind rolling go up to itunes and and uh, put in a nice review that'll help get the word out which we are uh, wanting to do, especially about Be Here Now Network. Now, of course, the other thing is about support. And just briefly, of course, we have the Amazon link, and you can go up there and put that link into your browser and use it whenever you buy anything from Amazon. And of course, we get a little percentage that we uh, share amongst everybody, uh, all the podcasters. So, and I always recommend a couple of things, and I found uh, a few things. Well, first of all, of course, Be Loved Now and Polishing the Mirror. Since uh, you'll hear from Ramesh, I'm going to do, in this podcast, I did a couple of, uh, read a couple of different passages that we talked about. So, uh, that uh, that book is just superb. Uh, what else? There's a new book by uh, Moby. Remember Moby? He had that great record play many, many years ago. And he has a new book, which is a memoir called Porcelain, that is excellent. And I've just uh, looked over it somewhat and haven't read the whole thing, but I got highly recommended from a friend of mine. And from what I have read, it's uh, it's a really uh, wonderful story. Though, and the way he tells it is really is really pretty great. Also, 
many of you may have heard Danny Goldberg on Rock and Roll's interview or talk chat with uh, Steve Earle. And Steve's new CD with Sean Colvin is definitely something to enjoy and, uh, and get through, purchase through Amazon. So uh, this uh, podcast that I did with Ramesh, uh, some of it's based on this article where they've really proven out through scientific experiments that the, l- the less you think, the more creative you are and the happy you, happier you are. And uh, it just substantiates the whole thing around meditation as one of, uh, only one, there are many different ways to stop the monkey mind. And uh, it's nice to have it substantiated by some scientists, uh, which you'll hear all about on this episode, which is going to be called Think Less is More. I just came up with that just before I... uh, did this little introduction. Uh, so here you go. It's, uh, this is Mind Rolling with Ramesh Lytton. And we'll s- just enjoy. Hi, it's Raghu here. And I'm with Ramesh Wardas. Hi, Raghu. Ramesh, as he's known to everybody. And... Uh, we go way, way back. You know, I was thinking when I first... To the Sat Yuga, actually. That's what it feels like now. Uh, so just everybody, Ramesh is, has been co-writing uh, books with Ramdas over these last number of years. One of them is Be Love Now, and the other one is Polishing the Mirror, and he's currently working on a third one that maybe we can see if we can't get him to talk a little bit about that at some point, too. So he, uh, at this point, is uh, also on the board of directors of Love Surf Remember Foundation, and he and I were really close, 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 on almost a day-to-day, you'd almost think, for years, which is the uh, grace of this whole deal really is to spend time with everybody because we go way back not to be too insider Ramesh and I were with Ram Dass and uh, and Krishna Dass uh, though you certainly know everybody out there would probably know those people and we were in India when Ram Dass went back the second time and we went over there and we met Maharaji and Ramesh and Krishna Dass and somebody else named Danny Goldman who many of you may know out there wrote Emotional Intelligence. They were the first, they're not the first Westerners because obviously Bhagavan Das, Ram Das, and there was an Englishman actually that had been there, correct? Before all of that. Yeah, there were a few people and there were a couple of other uh, Americans and uh, there were one or two people there when we got there. Really? I don't remember that. Um yeah, uh, Frank and Jan oh, Urich. Right. Did you ever run into them? No, but now I know them because of the book. Love yeah, everyone. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they got there all on their own, you know. Really, yeah. Because uh, Ramdas wasn't at first telling anybody where Maharaji was or even who he was. Right. Uh, he was just calling him Maharaji, which is a very generic. Everyone's uh, called Maharaji. The sweeper's called Maharaj over here yeah, with the, taxi the broom. Yeah, the driver calls you yeah. Maharaji. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
Oh, so that's cool. Anyhow, so uh, there's a famous story, and you can get Love Everyone, by the way, and all these wonderful stories of our time back in, in the day. Uh, Parvati Marcus, my ex, put together for the foundation. It came out last fall and uh, has a lot of great stories around this, including this story of uh, Ramesh and Krishnadas and Danny getting to uh, Maharaji only through the grace of K.K. Shah. Another name you've heard of, who is one of our mentors in India. So, but more to the point. Uh, so this uh, this is our our history now goes over many decades, uh, as everybody knows. And uh, so what Ramesh is doing now is is the hugest circle <laughs> from back then to now because of the work that uh, he's done, we've done, all the way back to when we first came back from India. So, uh, and, it, and it is really great that, uh, and I'm, I want to talk a little bit about um, Be Loved Now, actually, so when we get going. So, uh, well, we should start with Love, Serve, Remember. We should Which, end with uh, love, serve, remember. <laughs> and end with love, serve, remember. That's the full circle. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> that really is it. Yeah. What do you want to talk about love, serve, remember? Aside well, from I'm just remembering being camped out with you and Parvati and uh, Barbara Hoffman's apartment uh, that summer. Oh, we the record set. Record love, set. serve, remember. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that really is the full circle to now. That was when we first came yeah. back from India, a year after. Uh, it was in, It was actually in 73. Maharaji was yes. still uh, yeah, in the we body at that time. Yeah, waiting to go back until we finished that record set. Yeah. Mm. And um, we didn't finish it fast enough. Yeah, right. I guess. Yes. Or we finished it just in the right time. Yeah. So Raghu had these friends at a uh, commune in upstate New York called ZBS. And uh, we went up there a number of times to record parts of the record set, and they they mastered it for us, didn't they? They did, yeah. They were very involved with all yeah. of it. Only we we did a sort of we did them a bad turn, actually, when you think about it. Because what happened is because we were all into meditation and all kinds of practices and so on. They learned some meditation and stuff, just hanging out with us. They were like a commune, as he, as Ramesh said. And uh, so they created above the studio. This is just after we finished Love, yeah. Serve, Remember. Above the studio, they created a meditation room. It was beautiful. And they would all sit together. Their whole lives had been transformed by this whole experience. Unfortunately, one of them left a candle on after they uh, had done a sit one day. And burnt the place down from top to <laughs> bottom. All the equipment and everything went. That was, <laughs> it wasn't our fault. Got a little well, bit. Well, we know of too many of those uh, puja table fires. Burning fire. Yeah, that's right. Over time. Really. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah, really. Um, so I'm going to segue very quickly here because Ramesh turned me on to an article. And... Uh, I love this article. It's called Think Less, Think Better. So uh, just uh, so Ramesh has been uh, teaching meditation as well, does it at all of these uh, retreats that we have, well, two a year that we have, decided he wanted to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to do this. And well, I thought somebody had to do it. 
Yeah, somebody did, and you did. And but and, the and when I get there, I'm so jet lagged. I wake up at four in the morning anyway, so it didn't matter. Yeah, right. <laughs> Something to do instead of twiddling your fingers and looking to the ceiling, right? Uh, but the the real amazing thing is, I guess there's a lot of other people too that are completely jet lagged because they're showing yeah, up, right? It is. It's so many like people there in the morning. So there's all sorts of stuff goes on around mindfulness these days. So much stuff, and and con concur concurrently with meditation, of course, uh, as one of the methods to become mindful, and. Uh, this was an article that wasn't on mindfulness per se or meditation per se. It was so plain, simple, and down to earth, just uh, uh, about the mind clutter that we carry around and the real effect of it. Right, uh, and I'll just read a little. Um, we all fail to experience life to the fullest. Typically, our minds are too occupied with thoughts to allow complete immersion even in what is right in front of us. So this is all really be here now. I mean, be here now. <laughs> that phrase has to come into this for sure. By the way, this is, by, this is uh, from the Times in the Gray Matter. Did you dig that? That's the, uh, the yeah, column Yeah, it's more heading. about the neuroscience part yeah, of it, which right. is really interesting. Like that's catching up to the um, all of the stuff that uh, we learned and... Uh, took as kind of uh, our universe at the time. Yeah, yeah, really. His name is Moshe Barr. He's a neuroscientist, and he's the director of the Multidisciplinary Brain Research Center at Bar-Ilan University and also at Harvard Medical School. So he, and, of course, Mass General Hospital. So he's done some experiments with other people around this whole issue, Um I discovered how much we overlook, not just about the world, but also about the full potential of our inner life when our mind is cluttered. He said uh, dem he wanted to demonstrate the capacity for original and creative thinking is markedly stymied by stray thoughts, obsessive ruminations, <laughs> and other forms of mental load. i got to use that when I... Yeah, really. These classes, obsessive rumination is yeah. really a good place. Yes. Now let's get to single point here and get rid of the the excessive the obsessive rumination and excessive. Um, so that when we uh, their findings suggested that innovative thinking, not routine ideation, is our default cognitive mode when our minds are clear. Okay. What do they mean, Ramesh, about not routine ideation? Just routine bullshit thoughts going through your head all the time? Well, I mean, most of the time we're just uh, carried along by the flow of our discursive thought. Right. You know, you're, yeah, you're, because you identify yourself with your thoughts. And that's the way that... Um, you know, we uh, trap all of Western philosophy starts from, you know, Descartes, I think, therefore I am. Yeah. Right. Big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out. Uh, As it turns out. Yeah. And when you <laughs> so, what to do? Uh, and, you know, Patanjali, on the other hand, starts with uh, get rid of your uh, thinking, and then consciousness arises from that. 
Right. You know. Right. What is it? Uh, Chitta Vritti Narodaha. It's yes. the first line of the Patanjali Yoga Sutras. Uh, and it all follows from there. And, and you know, all of the stuff that uh, is the practice of yoga, uh, which is mostly exercise in the States, but uh, comes down to uh, quieting yourself so that you can come into that uh, space. Right. Right. So it... I think the interesting part that, um, you know, uh, especially what Ramdas has bridged uh, with his involvement in bhakti is that um, there's also when you go into that quiet space, there is also a, a, a heart component. The quality of that awareness is also uh, joy and love. Right. And that sometimes the Buddha's side of it gets a little dry mm. uh, with respect to that. I, I mean, if you just look at it as mindfulness, as a mindfulness practice. Yeah. That's why I think what we were given in India by Maharaji uh, related to somehow he had us over there all taking Vipassana courses without telling, of course, he never said go anywhere. Yeah. In fact, he used to make fun of it. You go into the course now? <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he sent us up to, uh, well, Ramdas set us up to meditate in the Himalayas at Kosani that yeah. summer, yeah. Uh, which I think is described in uh, uh, Love Everyone. And uh, certainly there's a piece about it in Be Love Now. So uh, we get up there and the, uh, oh, sorry, the uh, Vipassana teacher can't make it. So uh, we're stuck up there in the monsoon. Maharaji keeps sending more and more people up to our, you know, what had started out as a five-person retreat, and suddenly it's 30 people or whatever it was, yeah. finally. Yeah. And uh, we took over a bigger space, and we started doing uh, Ram Mantra in the mornings also. <laughs> All sorts of other things came yeah. along. Yeah, but that was a, you know, that space there, uh, sitting in front of the... Himalayas, which you couldn't see during the monsoon. In the uh, early morning, we used to see. Yeah, them, yeah. We, we got those glimpses where yeah. it, just the horizon would open up, which is yeah. kind of the way yeah. consciousness Guru. works anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get glimpses. By the way, and this is something I wanted to mention. I don't know why I thought of it all of a sudden. But when I first came, talking about how long we've known each other and we met, really in India, but we did had met once or twice at Ram Dass's place or at also at, at Bard. Goddard. Goddard, Goddard. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we really, so I got there and of course, so I had met Krishnadas and Ramadas. They were really the only two people I knew because of them coming to Goddard with Ram Dass. Mm. And although we were at this uh, Ram Dass's farm together. Um, so when I got there, uh, he was, we, we went out for a walk. I got to the hotel, talked to ML and all that. We went. Uh, this is a little bit of confessional, everybody out there. I have to get this off my chest, okay? And Ramesh is a good person for this. He said, let's go for a walk around the lake. Beautiful lake, Nainital. Krishnadas and Ramesh and I. And, and Krishnadas. So I started asking just some normal questions. They had been with Maharaji. I was like, well, what, what's that like? You know, what, what are we talking? You know, I was nervous to go there the next day. I was going to go there the next day. 
Krishnadas didn't say a word to me. He wouldn't even talk to me. <laughs> so thank God Ramesh was there, okay? Because he talked to me, and he was very nice, and I started to feel a little bit better. And this went on because... So I met Maharaji and the next day, and then we would go every day. Ramdas wasn't there for the first couple of days. And before Ramdas came, he said, go to Kosani and meditate up there you know, with the, with the teacher, with mm. the Buddhist meditation teacher. So he said, you go, meaning me. I thought I was going to see him once and then have to go home. I had no idea because Ramdas never t- said a word about it. So <laughs> I thought, wow, fantastic. I'm going to, I'm going to be able to stay number one because he said just go up there you know for a month or two or whatever it was and the secondly i'm i'm like feeling home right i found my family and everything <laughs> we get out of that darshan krishna says you can't come so what do you mean i can't come <laughs> well you don't know how to do vipassana meditation we went to the course you didn't do nothing I said, well, somebody could show me. I'm sure Ramdas will show me. I'm coming. And that was our first kid <laughs> fight. <laughs> so I just had to get that off my chest. You know, he doesn't listen to this, so I'm not going to be worried about it. Um, going forward with our little article. So um, we completely lost our train here. So he's saying the study suggests that your internal exploration is too often diminished by an overly occupied mind, much as is the case with your experience of your external environment. And these loads, these mental loads, can consume huge capacity. See, we never think about that. Now, I'm a prime offender here. I'm like a multitasking. My wife like yells at me every day about this shit. Um, so the mental capacity leading to dull thought, and here's a word for you, anhedonia, a flattened ability to experience pleasure. Do you ever hear of something like that? Ahed- ah- anhedonia, A-N-H. Well, I guess it comes from hedonism. Oh. So and yeah. is usually not, yeah. so no, no hedonism, no pleasure. <laughs> So, but how do you figure that? With they're saying they actually did experiences, experiments, and that people actually, who had a lot of more stuff going through their heads and and were just doing a lot of different things and so on, that it absolutely affected their ability to have full-on experience. I guess that's what, you know, experience pleasure. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things, and pleasure being one of them. Uh, but uh, and so I rem- I wondered how it's. After, so what did he do, this guy? He went to a Vipassana course. <laughs> That's just what we're talking about. It all does tie together. He went to a Vipassana course, and he said... Sounds no, like he had a really good time. He did. Um, he said, it's not... <laughs> trying to empty your mind. It's not for the faint of heart, he said, going to a Vipassana course. But I do wish that everyone would try it once. During my first retreat, I wondered how a simple tomato could taste so good. Mm. Why I did not mind physical discomfort as much. That's key, everybody. Uh, How looking at a single flower for 45 minutes was even possible, let alone gratifying. Sounds like an acid trip, basically. Yeah, I wonder who the teacher was for that (laughs) retreat. Really, I want to (laughs) go. Um. 
but it's it's, it's I mean the the uh, reaction that he had is is a, a classic uh, Zen experience. Yeah, you know, right. Completely in the moment with whatever was going on, and the um, effect of clearing your mind like that, which we've all experienced, you know, at least for moments, is. Uh, a, a real lightness of being and clarity. Yeah. Uh, which, um, if you stay with it, I guess, uh, evolves into some kind of wisdom about living in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly did with Ramdas. Yeah. Well, and certainly the, this, the, I, I tell everybody, anybody who says, well, what would you recommend as a meditation technique? And certainly Vipassana meditation, starting with Anapana, focusing on the in and out breath, is absolutely, uh, it's the easiest, most direct, in my mind, way to, to, to get going with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the, so the last part of what he says is, only a small fraction of your mental capacity remains engaged in what is before it when you have that stuff going on in your mind. And mind-wandering and ruminations become a tax on the quality of your life. Honing a tax? A, a tax. You are taxed by... Oh, a tax. A tax, like yeah. An income tax. Income tax, yes. This Not a tax. Mental tax, no. <laughs> <laughs> a honing an ability to unburden the load on your mind, be it through meditation or some other practice, can bring with it a wonderfully magnified experience of the world and as our study suggests of your own mind so uh, they so they've now proven that getting your what did maharaj used to tell you get your uh, mind bring your mind to, to one point and wait for grace right so they just proved that here we go thank you <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> well i the you know, the useful thing about reading something like that in the New York Times is that um, we begin to understand that um, we have a relationship with our own mind. Yeah. And that we are not just that uh, stream of consciousness of discursive thinking that we're mostly locked into. Yeah. You know, whatever it is, 95% of the time that we're awake. Yeah. The interesting thing that uh, you remember Ramana Maharshi said this thing about uh, um, the uh, enlightened state is the same as deep sleep. Did you ever read that? No, I don't remember and, that. And it, 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 I mean, clearly uh, that has uh, permutations because uh, there's awareness in that. But if you were fully aware in deep sleep, you would be in the enlightened states. And that, I think, the feeling that I have gotten from that is that we are surrounded by this field of our own consciousness. And as he's saying in the article, we focus on uh, the minutiae and, and we lose the forest for the trees, yeah. if you want to yeah. put it that way. Yeah. I mean, all kidding aside... It is, because uh, we get a lot of input, especially around uh, through the podcast network, mm. formerly MindPod, now Be Here Now Network. We get a lot of input from people who are, you know, they may have 
come through uh, more recently, shall we say, and just found out about Ramdas or found out about Neem Karoli Baba or anything, even Krishnadas. And and there's a lot of question about well, what are the things that I can do to to actualize some of the things I'm reading about and the potential that I'm seeing is there and uh, and the fact that it's possible to have a life that is not just running it you mm -hmm. just simple stuff like that. And well, uh, I think one of the great things that has come through uh, Ramdas and certainly from Maharaji t for us uh, was uh, the fact that there is no particular practice that uh, is, you know, Maharaji prescribed for us. Although we got exposed to a lot of different uh, practices, and I think probably all of us have, uh, you know, picked and uh, chosen pieces of it as we've gone along and found pieces of it that have been more helpful to us. Um, but it's been a very eclectic, um, you know, kind of process and, and not uh, linear either. I mean, I, I, f I find it's almost like this sort of uh, spiral staircase kind of thing where you look back and you see yourself where you were uh, you know, a whole cycle ago. Yeah. And uh, the perspective keeps uh, changing. Yeah. And, and once we get into that um, living in the moment place, it, it's very uh, uh, timeless also. Mm. But we were talking before about the, when you were talking about Ramdas and how he's developed a real, uh, bhakti, yeah. the bhakti that's developed within his incredible intellectual capacity of describing this stuff back in the day, especially, uh, and and we did get that. So the but I do think the Buddhist, in particular, the Buddhist and bhakti thing, like we're just doing that on uh, on Ramdas.org right now. Yeah. It's a bunch of discussions Ramdas is having with Buddhist teachers, and, and a lot of it is around that real merging of the heart. And uh, and no self, not the mind, no self, no mind. And uh, there are so many ways in which I think this has been such a huge boon to be able to just uh, be... Look at these people that we've been with, Jack and Cornfield and Sharon Salzberg and Joseph Goldstein in particular, who were at the course that you were at that I missed that uh, at the end of 1970, mm. and how we've remained close to them and how how they feel about bhakti. I mean, Sharon does this stuff with Krishnadas all the time, and it's a, he does his kirtan and and basically his devotional practice, and she does her Buddhist practice. And and those uh, three teachers in particular, who we've all known for a long time, there's this. Uh, phrase in the uh, uh, Tao Te Ching uh, being like uh, soft as a grandmother. Oh. I, you know, in the, the evolution of their teaching, they brought such love into that uh, Buddhist uh, yeah. view. Yeah. It's so soft, and that's why it meshes so uh, beautifully when we do those retreats together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Very graceful, the whole thing, the way it's worked, and so on. 
Of course, Maharaji told us directly. Uh, uh, Krishnadas and I were with him once. It's a whole long story when Krishnadas' knee went bad in Vrindavan, mm. and I took him over there. And, yeah, yeah. And but one part of the story is, and we've told this before, but it's so exceptional. Basically, Krishnadas had written some of the Mahamudra, a very famous Buddhist uh, text. Yeah. That's like the essence of it all, and, and it it's fantastic. And Maharaji was looking through his diary, and he came to it. It was written in English, and he asked the translator to translate it. He said, what's this? And he did. And Maharaji said, Teek, it is good. <laughs> good. That was like Milarepa's song of Mahamudra? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, we have yeah. to ask Krishnas to be sure. And then next page was a big, Krishnas had stuck, glued a big picture of Maharaji on the next page. <laughs> Right. And Maharaji looked and said, who's that? And we were all very funny. Uh, you know, of course, who's that? And then he looked and he pointed to it and he went, Buddha. Mm. And it was so, it had nothing to do with him being Buddha. It had to do with how that was so much uh, being instilled in us. Yeah, the whole thing, or I mean, I personally had a, an incredible experience with uh, Kalu Rinpoche that Maharaji told me was going to happen. But the whole thing of the power of Buddhist uh, mind in all of this with the bhakti thing that we were giving, I, uh, given, it's uh, it's really quite something, and I think it's a great well, it's, uh, You know, Maharaji was beyond Buddhism, Yes. is beyond Buddhism or bhakti. Yeah. And in that sense, you know, that what we felt around him and the ways that he guided us are the, the perfect uh, um, embodiment of no self. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, he is the uh, that place of beyond no self. And, uh, you know, it's I think sometimes unfortunate in the way that things get translated into uh, English and Buddhism, like no self or emptiness, yeah, um, because uh, that's really uh, scratching the surface. You know, yeah. it's not it it, it. it sounds like a negative, but it's yeah, <laughs> it's more like a double negative. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no, the words are tough. It's you know. the not this, not that. Yeah. In the, in uh, I just want to refer to something because it's interesting. We're talking about it from "Be Loved Now." It's just a little passage. Love is what lets you dive into the emptiness behind form. The jump from things to no thing to emptiness just means it's empty of experience. It's like two planes. One is the plane of the soul. Then you leave that behind and dissolve into the one, which is emptiness. You let love carry you into merging with the one. It's the devotion, bhakti, that takes you through to the wisdom or gyan, the satori of Zen. That's great, Ramesh. This is <laughs> Ramesh and Ramdas and P. Love now. That's that's Maharaji's uh, spiritual stew. Yeah, right, and well said in in one little paragraph. Yeah, um, I think in Be Love Now also there's a description of uh, 
I, th I think it was probably uh, me more than Ram Dass, but writing about uh, being with Maharaji at some point when uh, uh, he got quiet, which was very unusual. Mm. I mean, and we mm. were just sitting there kind of in this deep meditative place with him. And uh, I don't know how long it went on, but uh, I remember looking up and I was feeling more love than I had ever experienced from any relationship from my parents, from my mother, from uh, a lover. And uh, at some point I opened my eyes and there was just this thick space of love all around us. And, and I realized that uh, uh, I was experiencing that love from Maharaji, but everybody else was too. Mm. It was the same. It was just this, uh, you know, um, I think we described uh, love as the emotion of merging mm. in mm. be love now. Oh, and, yeah. and that that was that place. I mean, that was unconditional love. It was not, uh, um, it's not aimed at anyone. It's just like emanating from mm. uh, our being when we can be completely clear for it. Mm. You went on to say, love is what's melding the universe together. You love everybody and everything more and more until you love all things in the universe and you identify with all things and become the one. When you dive into the one, you find emptiness because there's no experience in the one. The love brings about that melding, that jump from being everything to being nothing, from being somebody to being nobody. With Maharaji, there was nobody there. There was just love. I used to see him turn into a mountain like Shiva, the pure absolute, but then I would feel this intense love. He is unconditional love, but it's impersonal. It wasn't him loving me, it was him being love. I turned it into something imperson interpersonal, but it wasn't. That's a, that is a um, extraordinarily yeah. important thing, and that we all went through. And and uh, even when you realize it, shit, this is just a computer that's giving back things. That's <laughs> that no, nothing there. It just yeah. is that thing. It, when you realize that, you still forget all the time, and you want you want that personal, <laughs> impersonal. So you can do bad, like me, I did bad things, so he would pay more attention to me. That's terrible. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm not going to get into no, that. No, our ego grabs hold of it and tries yeah. to make it ours, you know, the same it does with, as it does with everything else, yeah. but uh, it's not. Now, something else uh, that people, if I can find this. People ask about, because there's a lot of chat around what is a guru? And the difference between a teacher, a saint, you know, like that, um, and a siddha. And you guys go into this quite well in, in the book. Um, yeah, I love the stories about those beings that's in the back of that book. That's really oh, yeah, great. that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's really great. Um, so I'm just trying to find it. Where did I put that? Um, 
Well, the guru is a tough concept in the West. I mean, it, mostly because of that element of uh, oh, here it is. surrender. Yeah. Yeah. Which I we've talked about a, a lot. This is I, surrender in the West is yeah. giving up your power. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a horrible war. I mean, when Ramdas came back and he started talking to those old lectures, there's three things I can't talk about: <laughs> surrender, <laughs> devotion, God. So it's going to be a tough, <laughs> tough road to hoe here. This is actually in the book. It's a chapter or a subchapter uh, called Liberation. And that's what I mean, because many people ask. Oh, I forgot to turn that off. Yeah, go can, ahead. We, can we break for a yeah. moment? Yeah, yeah. Just turn okay. it off. It's Ramesh. Uh, I'm on a call. So could you call back in about 15, 20 minutes? Who is it? Oh, hi, Bonnie. Okay. All right. Sorry, I should have unplugged the phone. Okay. Maybe I can. Nah, that's going to mess things up even more. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's hope no one calls. Yeah. Um. So you, there's a chapter in Be Loved Now called Liberation, and as I was saying before, many many people. They want clarification on the the differences between a teacher, between a uh, what what many call in India saint, and many of them come here that are called saints, um, guru, which is obviously at this point it's so well trod on that that that's not a word that's yeah really, sex guru fashion yeah, guru yeah whatever exactly. <laughs> Um, and then there's a concept which you bring up in this book and which is really the first time I've really read su a book that had a real explanation of Siddha. Mm. And I, I, so I wanted to talk about that. And uh, so just w here you, you both talk. When I speak of a liberated being, I mean someone who is free from entrapment in any one plane of consciousness or relative reality. A rocket that can get out of the Earth's orbit would be liberated from the pull of gravity. Each reality has its own gravitational field of desires and belief systems. A person who is liberated from this physical, psychological plane is someone who can break the identification with that which is born and dies, that which desires birth and believes in death. So this 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 is great. It's really the exact essence of what you meet when you do meet a liberated being. And my understanding of it is that a truly liberated being would be called a siddha. Mm -hmm. That it supersedes any other description in India or in the Hindu thing. Saints and gurus and all that stuff. And it really gets to the essence of it, which is... And you, you guys have uh, really, really, I, I think, given a, a perfect definition. Um, perfected beings, or mm -hmm. siddhas, hold to nothing, stand nowhere, and can go in and out of all planes. Mm -hmm. They do not really go in and out of planes because they are in all planes simultaneously. Such beings are no longer bound by time and space. 
and may manifest or not, keep a body or drop it. In that fluid state all is possible, to keep the body young or to leave it, to merge into God or stay in form for the liberation of all beings, Bodhisattva. Such beings are beyond all law and limitation. They are the Dharma, the perfect harmony of God's will and the human mind. Every plane is flowing into every other plane, and God is flowing through them as instruments. It's just unbroken flow. There is nothing special, no difference, mm-hmm. all one. So when we got around that thing, <laughs> then it's just, is that description? It's a thing that we got around that thing, and it, we got an idea at the very least of the potential of humans at the very least hopefully some of the other stuff <laughs> wore off like giving a shit about anybody but about, except to yourself start there i mean larry uh, dr larry brilliant it's a famous uh, quote i sat around with a bunch of people westerners we were all in our 20s for the most part and there was this incredible palpable love and which I thought, okay, well, Maharaji, I expect that's going to happen. That's his job, right, to share that. But I didn't expect I would be feeling that feeling same thing. Feeling it also. Feeling yeah. it for the people around me. That blew my mind. And that's probably, that's such an essential story because it just says that's the biggest jump that any one of us could have made, giving a shit about somebody other than ourselves is the biggest jump, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I mean, obviously, getting, uh, learning uh, the kind of techniques that we were just talking about in that article, mm-hmm. I mean, basically, any technique, yoga, uh, of, of yoga, meditation, mindfulness, I mean, I think you have to bring yourself to one point. They have to start there. Without that, your, your mind is just, you have no chance of being mindful because you're constantly chasing stuff. You're so full of stuff. There's no spaciousness whatsoever. So I think, you know, that's super important. So, uh, but the the idea that uh, the, <coughs> the next thing with these beings and, and the other thing that people, we've talked about with Duncan Trussell at the retreats and Pete Holmes last year. Well, that's fine for you to say. You met this thing and <laughs> we didn't meet shit. And, well, it doesn't matter. There is no... You know, these beings are not... <laughs> well, Maharaji manifests at those retreats and, yeah, uh, and in a lot of other ways, too. I yeah. mean, he's manifesting over the Internet, right, this moment between you and me. Yeah, right. Exactly. This, the Maharaji is this space. Yeah. And uh, it's not uh, like, um, you know, the form was Maharaji. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. form, uh, what's the Zen quote? The form is the form of the formless? I don't know that one. I think it's Hakuin. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, really, that's a good call. Yeah, that's a good Anyway, one. but Maharaji, you know, we, we would get trapped ourselves in his form because it was such fun being around him and such, you know, like a complete... Uh, uh, Flying circus or something. One of us, I won't mention his name, who spent more time with Maharaji than any other Westerner, 
and when Maharaji left, it took him 30 years to come out of that because yeah. he he got the blessing and the grace of being with this physical thing. The physical thing was like you just wanted to plug into that, you know, 100% of the time. And just, and he did. Uh, I mean, not quite, but he did more than any other Westerner, and it took him 30 years to get over it. I mean, that's a that tough, tough, tough karma. Well, I think the, the you know, real um, message of that is that the uh, guru is inside. And, and you really, you know, it's really helpful to communicate that to people yeah. because uh, it, it is, in a sense, the uh, inner being that is beckoning us to go inside ourselves. Yeah. But people, and, uh, they, you know, that identity, uh, you know, you're the same as I am in that respect. Our, our hearts are pulling us inward. And uh, it's like gravity. Yeah. Uh, that exercise that Mirabai Bush does at the retreats that just like me. Yeah, right. Yeah, where like you me. you Beautiful. break through that, which is really a, a sweet way of developing compassion, because you see that the person you're sitting with, you sit together in a dyad and go through. Uh, uh, your personality stuff with somebody essentially, yeah. and, and uh, what you see is that that person has the same uh, kind of uh, situation that you do, yeah. their uh, mind and their emotions and their uh, desire is uh, the same. And that that sameness, I think, is uh, somewhat of what Maharaji showed us. But then, the the other aspect, though, of uh, uh, Siddha, of someone who has really finished their work, I mean, uh, that's the in the external being, and and those stories, not just of Maharaji, but of the other saints who realized that place of complete unification and complete uh, um, the completion of the desire realm mm. which I think is the same as uh, uh, the Buddha's nirvana yeah. nirvana burned out all of that stuff is just gone and it's like uh, um, I keep going back to these Zen expressions, but you know, like mind no, like say cold it the best, ashes. Yeah. yeah. Say that again. Mind like cold ashes. Uh -huh, right. You know, the, the, all of that, uh, desire that pulls us onward into, uh, relationships and births and problems and, you know, mm -hmm. suffering and all of that stuff, uh, eventually, um, gets taken care of. Yeah. Well, these siddhas, they are emblematic of gone beyond. And they're, and they're incarnate, you know. Yeah, Maharaj still... was in a body sitting in front of us. Yeah. And that was, uh, it, it showed us that possibility in a really tangible way. And that, that's what the uh, experience of, uh, uh, you know, what's called darshan yeah. is, getting a glimpse 
of a being who is free. Now, of course, now people say to you, dependent on, uh, you know, being there in the body, obviously, because he's given that darshan to countless people over the years. Yeah, it's okay for you to say that because mm -hmm. you were there. But yeah. and you're saying that the guru is in. I'm. This is what people come back. No, to I understand. It, yeah. But uh, the, that's uh, again the uh, trap of attachment to the body. Right. So then, so some of the first steps that are needed is is to go for getting your mind under some kind of focus, being able to focus, being able to not be pursuing and identifying with your thoughts. That's the very first thing, right? That if anybody's going to get to the point where they understand that they are not their mind and therefore the whole realm of possibilities opens up as to what our potential is, then the first step remains getting one-pointed, and wait for yeah, grace. Yeah, but that can happen in a lot of ways. I mean, breath meditation is uh, a good way to do it. But um, it could happen if you do yoga. It doesn't. It can happen doing yoga. It can happen listening to music. It can happen. Uh, well, I know, beg to it differ. Me the first time sitting at the beach. Yeah, but as an ongoing thing, as a practice. I mean, I guess you could listen practice to a piece. Is good. You could listen to a piece of music every day and sit there for five minutes and have your mind completely focused on it. Well, the thing that uh, we just covered in that online course of, of that uh, mm. thing that uh, Gurdjieff says about, you know, the alarm clock wakes you up for a while and then you need a, uh, a different alarm clock because mm -hmm. you don't wake up anymore. Right. So um, I think that kind of sense, and that I think was part of what Maharaji gave us, which is there is no one way. Right. You know, there is what works. See, I'm becoming a fundamentalist there. There's only yeah. one way. You do anapana vipassana meditation or you can't, nothing can happen for you. Well, bringing it. the mind to one point is uh, probably true. <laughs> you know. Okay, but that part's are, true. Uh, a lot of ways to get there. Ways that, yeah. Including singing kirtan and doing yeah. mantra and, uh, um, you know, staring at the candle flame. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um Okay, well, that answers that question. But the guru thing is still, you know, th that one piece that is so hard for us as Westerners is the, the surrender part. Right. And um, it's... it's uh, it, the, the, uh, again, it's a semantic thing because the surrender at that point is no surrender because you have changed your identity inside to uh, being that being that you're surrendering to. So in a sense, you're surrendering to yourself. Yeah. Well, that whole thing that KK gave us around Sharanagat, the truth. Yeah. He said, Western, you, you have no idea of what surrender is. Everything you think about that is absolutely, uh, completely <laughs> off course. <laughs> And here's what it really is, and it's pretty amazing. Uh, we we won't go into that. You can get that on ramdas.org, by the way. Yes. Um, so last little thing, because this, this really shows to this day we have no idea about anything. None of us knew Maharaji. We just knew our own projections. But the relation with the guru is not totally our projection, nor is it entirely created for us by the guru. 
It's an interaction in the circumstances of the moment. Your needs as a soul determine the form of manifestation of the guru. Of course, how the guru manifests may not agree with your values or concepts of a guru. Uh, Maharaji was fat. His great belly con contradicted my idea that conscious people are thin and ascetic. <laughs> and the foods he favored were so counter to my ideas of what constituted nutritionist food. The basic diet at Kenji was puris, potatoes, and sweets, fat, starch, and sugar. But it didn't and matter. Chai. And chai. <laughs> because it was all blessed food. It was prasad. Then when I heard that Maharaji steered away from important politicians and wealthy people, it knocked the whole volume system that I'd grown up with for a loop. He was the exact opposite of my father, who always cultivated wealthy and important people. A guru is perceived differently by all the beings around him or her, depending on the karmic predicament. One person may have known Maharaji in a deep meditative space, another as somebody who got upset about potatoes that are allowed to rot. If you got ten people talking about him, everyone would describe Maharaji in a different way. A perfected being sees exactly where individuals are in their karmic evolution in the same way that you might see an automobile at a particular stage in its assembly. To see the entire assembly line is to know we are all one. We are all God. It's seeing beyond time, seeing that it's all perfect. And in that, it's, it is completely obvious that this kind of a being that is liberated in, and, and that we call Siddha is absolutely not necessary for them to have a body. And as Ramesh and I have said, and he's just said, how many people have met him who d had no no idea of the f the physical whatsoever except through dreams which when they described those dreams to us we went oh shit that's exactly how he was in in this plane when we met him you're describing the same body movement the same gestures the same tone the same you know, how he would talk you're just describing it all so it's ap it is absolutely true and, and and dada mukherjee remember what he said I've had the biggest miracles thrown at me by Maharaji that you wouldn't believe. But and he came to America and he said, but being here in America and meeting all of these people who never met him in the physical body but have the same connection to him as I do, that's the greatest miracle. So it, yeah. there's no doubt in my mind and any, any of us that met him that absolutely unnecessary for there to be a physical body to connect. And... Because it's hard when you say the guru is internal. It's hard for people to accept that, especially when they come out of our mouths when we physically met this mm -hmm. particular being. So, yeah. so that's what I like to say that my, in, my, you know, in, my, in our experience in representing both of us, there's absolutely no um, possibility in our minds that there's any necessity to meet a, a being of this sort physically. It is not necessary. And what happened to us? I have no idea. Okay, here we are. I have no idea of what that. It's as present to me today as it was back then. That's all I know. 
I know less and less. Yeah, as that? time goes on, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, we're at the end of our little show, Ramesh. Um, I I want to tell everybody, uh, please do. You would love what Ramesh has done here with Be Love Now and Polishing the Mirror. I just got a letter today from somebody about how important that book has been in their lives uh, because it's got so much practical how to get to be here now in it that uh, I think you, you'll you all enjoy both of those. You can go to ramdas.org and go to the store there and pick them up right there. And um, all shows, it's, uh, Ramesh made... We're just make a little announcement here because you made uh, a reference to a course that Ramesh and I have been working on with Ramdas called "Being Here Now: The Essential Teachings of Ramdas," and it's coming out through Sounds True in the fall in September. Please, uh, first of all, everyone, come and do sign up at BeHereNowNetwork.com. We just started that network, as Ramesh knows. And uh, we would love to have you kept informed of everything that we're doing. So please do come and sign up there and take a look at all. If we're talking about the Buddhism meets Bhakti. Really, that's what Be Here Now Network is, is Bhakti meets Buddhism. I mean, it's us and, uh, and a bunch of incredible, close family people, Joseph, Jack, Sharon, and uh, Lama Surya Das, and you know uh, we're going to have Roshi Halifax is going to do some stuff, and Lama Tsultrum. Uh, we have a big family, so uh, go to Be Here Now Network. That's a my promo for, but Be Here Now Network dot com. <laughs> okay, uh, and uh, check out Ramesh's these books he's done with Ramdas, and uh, this course that's coming up that we worked on. We'll uh, you'll hear about that too. Just get on the mailing list. Well, the full circle is uh, this foundation, which Raghu is the director of, that has been uh, given the mandate to uh, disseminate Ramdas teachings. And this online course is full of his uh, lectures, just essence moments of when he's been talking with people. And Maharaji's teachings, and and Maharaji is uh, through um, Love Serve Remember the Be Here Now Network, all of the streaming uh, talks and the retreats. Uh, Maharaji is enlarging his family. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing what's going on because of uh, because of the net and the the digital family that gets created. Well, I mean, even, you know, like that New York Times article is like a complete uh, change in the way the culture uh, looks at things and, and not in the sort of, uh, you know, we've always felt like we were sort of on some fringe of things, but it's very much more an understanding of how things really work are. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and what's needed in compassion in the world to make things work out yeah absolutely good thank you Ramesh Ramesh was my roommate everybody in <laughs> when we were going to Kenji we were roommates he saved my life there too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay thanks everybody this is mind rolling and we shall see you next week Ram 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 <laughs> <laughs>